Welcome to Box Out Banter. We are less than two weeks away from some playoff action, Mr. Christmas. How are you feeling about it? Wow. Season flew by. It's kind it of really a, did. It's kind of a, kind of crazy. We've There's been a lot of basketball in the calendar, like two years that have happened. Um, but yeah, yeah I, feel damn, like we keep, I feel like we keep talking about it, but like it is just shocking about the amount of bat. We've had three seasons. We've done. Yeah, we've been part, doing this podcast. Yeah, in part, we've had three seasons in two. We've years. been doing this podcast for like a year and a half, and we've had three seasons of basketball. Yeah, that that's pretty crazy. Um, yeah, no, I'm I'm excited for these playoffs, man. It's a bummer that some of these late injuries to really important players on contenders yeah. have happened, which I'm sure we'll we'll talk about. But there's also a lot of intrigue at the same time. And maybe at the end of the day, we might just be overthinking it because, you know, one team is just blowing every team out the water. Um, but th- I think it's more wide open in the East than ever. I think the Suns are on pace to be one of the great teams of all time. Um, they've just been crushing teams. Uh, it's pretty exciting. Exciting times. I, I'm excited to get the playoffs started. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, we didn't really have a plan coming into this show, but I mean, I feel like there's so much to kind of talk about. Um, well, I guess talking about the injuries first. I personally, I think the Robert Williams injury is huge. Oh, absolutely. I think that, I think that injury is gigantic. He's been so critical to what they've been doing. Um, like I, it, I, I don't know. Obviously, obviously, he's not the most important piece, but he's defensively, he's probably one of them. Him and Marcus Smart are like in legit defensive player of the year conversations, not the tertiary conversations where fan base just want to bitch about us not talking about their guy being in fifth place or whatever, which has seemed to happen with the MVP discourse lately. But yeah. legit Marcus Smart and Robert Williams each have a case to be the defensive player of the year. And losing Robert Williams just that's a blow to the Celtics like obviously not only because of what he does on defense the Celtics like to use him as a roamer while Al Horford guards the stretchier bigs or the bigger bigs the centers and they let Robert Robert Williams um roam off of non-shooting threats non-offensive threats to just basically wreak havoc everywhere he's also a really good passer and he's a vert and he's a vertical threat like a legit like lob threat at any point and he's one of the best offensive rebounders in the NBA um so it's a big blow for the Celtics because I legit thought the Celtics have been flat out one of the best teams for the last three months I think it's been them Phoenix the Mavericks even though they've kind of tailed off a little bit recently the last few weeks those teams since the new year have just been flat out awesome and I think the Celtics just crashed the whatever party room that the tier one of Eastern Conference contenders were in, the Celtics just busted through the wall like the Kool Aid Man, and they were just like, "Oh yeah, yeah, don't forget about us." You know, Jason Tatum's figured it out. He's been a superstar for basically since the turn of the new year, and he's had flirtations with turning into a superstar, right? But you know, early on in the season, dude, Celtics fans were clowning their own team. 
which was yeah. great. Which was great to see, by the way. Obviously, from a but Sixer fan be, perspective. To be honest, for good reason because they look garbage. Oh yeah, absolutely. Ime Udoka was calling out the team publicly after every bad game they had, which was a lot. Marcus Smart called out the Jays. There was some chatter that reached national podcast levels about, and certainly on this podcast, even though I was firmly against it, of breaking up the Jays. The Jays, yeah. Um, but then they just flipped the switch and figured it out. Now, like, even the Celtics broadcaster who, you know, play-by-play broadcast guys, they see a lot, but they don't like to share a lot. The Celtics sure. play-by-play broadcast, broadcast guy Mike Gorman he was like this team did not like each other in the locker room and now they love each other which is honestly like of, out of all, all the seasons we've watched think about what team has had a turnaround like this it's like recent memory I can't come up with an example but they really turned it around and guys like Robert Williams are a big reason why you know no absolutely and I think it's uh, it's unfortunate. It's kind of like what we saw last year with the Nuggets where, like, wow, we're so yep. hyped on them coming in, and then all of a sudden all these injuries started to happen, and you're like, man, they like they could still do something, but they're not nearly the threat that they were a week ago. Like, they to put it into perspective, like, anybody who listens to this podcast can go check the uh, clutch stats for the Celtics. Clutch stats are numbers. Um, they're, they're stats that happen – under five minutes left in a game when the game's within five points. The Celtics' yeah. crunch time numbers are still absolute garbage, but that's because all of the clutch stuff happened at the beginning of the season when they were bad. So they are yeah. they still look the same because they haven't played clutch minutes because they have fucking annihilated teams. Like, annihilated teams. By the, by the end of the first half, it's like a 15 or 20-point lead. Like, they're, they've yep. been the best defense since the new year they're number one overall on the season now in defensive rating they've gotten their switching down pat marcus smart has just been rejuvenated playing the point guard and he's playing probably the best defense of his career right now like a lot of stuff fell right in place for boston after having bad injury luck covid just you know a question of toughness and all that stuff and it all just came together and now it's you get one big injury. I don't think this takes the Celtics out of championship contender status, though. I still no. Think- I, I I think it severely hurts them just because again their defense has been so reliant on connective tissue and like being switching. in a in switching and being in a flow. And so when you take out a key piece of that, now you're gonna have to swap someone in that yeah may be able to do it, but not to the same effectiveness. And then more concerned like as soon as you move someone out of their old spot you have to move someone in that is not has not been running that right i think daniel tice can fill some of the stuff rob williams could because like i said they used rob williams would switch every once in a while but they primarily used him as a roamer and i think tice can do some of that obviously not all of it he's not as athletic i probably say daniel tice if i had to put a percentage on it an arbitrary bullshit number (laughs) i would say Tice could fill like 15, 10% of what Rob does in his defensive role, but it's sure. something and he's solid on offense. It's a bigger concern because you can just leave Tice open. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Shoot threes, but he's also not the passer that Rob Williams is. And he's also not the offensive rebounder that he is. Um, yeah. But I think every team in the Eastern conference 
save for maybe the Milwaukee Bucks, who just got Brooke Lopez back a week and a half ago and actually looks kind of solid. I think you could say every Eastern Conference contender has one or two major flaws. And that's why I think this injury, while devastating and makes the path for the Celtics harder, I don't think necessarily it takes them out of the championship race or more, or I guess better put, I still see a world in which the Celtics could come out of the East, much less so for like teams like Miami or the Bulls for sure. Um, but this, this injury is big, no doubt. No, totally with you. It's a, it's a big deal. And I think like, it's so funny to see people that like, don't really follow the NBA or like, don't look as close. Cause like Robert Williams isn't a name that like the casual NBA fan is going to know. And they, they, I don't think people realize like how important that that injury is. Yeah, I mean, I did a, I did a video at the beginning of the year of six breakout candidates that I think that I predicted for the season, and Rob Williams was one of them. I just, I loved his athleticism, his defensive tools if you put him in the right role, and he was a good passer. Like I, I just, that's an interesting player to fit around your two scoring wings you know and Jason Tatum has taken the next step he's a he's improved as a playmaker his scoring is great he's getting to the rim more he's attacking the line more um his defense I really I think at minimum the all NBA teams are going to be tough but I think at minimum you have to put him second team this year at the forward spot now with the Embiid Jokic forward center thing and how the voters are going to vote that could impact a lot of things and have a trickle down effect. But Jason Tatum is a bona fide now all NBA guy. He's been a top 10 to 12 player for three months. Like I still like this Boston team. If I being objective as a Sixer fan, you know, fuck Boston always, but um, I still think they're in the, I still, I would still take them over Miami. I would still take them over the bulls. And we should talk about the Heat later on because I am I am out. On I don't the heat. know what's going on with that. I'm I I am like a foot and three quarters of my other foot out the door when it comes to Miami. Um, I would take the Celtics over the Raptors, even though the Raptors scared the absolute shit out of me. Um, they're a team. They're Raptors are an interesting team because the Raptors are a team where you go like. They could give someone a lot of trouble, and then it's the thing of like I don't think they're gonna win, but like they could scare the shit out of a. Well, like they have a, a bunch of six eight wings that just wreck shit. <laughs> like they just yeah. wreck, like their their half court offense. Like it's cramped with shooting, but Pascal Siakam's playing great. Scotty Barnes has I think he's covered up the ground on Evan Mobley for Rookie of the Year. Um, I think it's actually a lot closer now than maybe it was maybe two or three weeks ago. Um. Fred Van Vliet has been great. Nick Nurse is still a great coach. Um, Precious Achua and Chris Boucher just come off the bench and just start wrecking shit. Like, I don't know if you've seen Precious Achua's numbers shooting since the All-Star break, but I think he's shooting like 40% from three, and he's like exploring, you know, rumbling down the court in transition more and all that stuff. The Raptors just have a bunch of 6'8", 6'9", 6'10 dudes that do different things, and it looks like it doesn't fit, but it fits. Um, but I would still take Boston over them. I take Boston over Miami. I would take Boston over the Bulls. Um, I probably put him neck and neck with the Sixers. Um, I know, I know I, a few pods ago, I said, um, 
that the Nets are somebody where it's like, wait and see. Well, I've kind of seen enough already. Kevin Durant kind of, you know, slap like, you know, Will Smith slapping Chris Rock last night. Kevin Durant slapped me into thinking like, okay, shit, a fully healthy Nets team is still a championship contender, <laughs> you know? Um, because And now Kyrie Irving's back. Uh, the East is a lot in- more interesting, but devastating blow for the Celtics to be sure. And they're, that's just one of a few injuries that have that are impacting playoff teams right now. Sure. Yeah, no, I totally... I, it, it, the East is so wide open at this point. <laughs> yeah, it, it really is. Um, and speaking of injuries, Paul George has been upgraded to questionable for tomorrow's game. There's been some uh, for uh, the game against the Jazz. And there's been some rumblings that, you know, Paul George was practicing and all this stuff. So the Clippers might get Paul George back, maybe Kawhi, maybe Norman Powell at some point. Um, Even though, honestly, if the Clippers do get all their guys back um, by the playoffs, I just don't think there was enough time to gel together no. and stuff. Especially, and, the, especially like, the way I've seen, the I've seen, playing. I've seen people say, like, oh, the, if the Clippers get fully healthy, they'll win the play-in game, and then they'll beat the Suns in round one. Or I've heard people say, like, uh, oh, and then, oh, the Clippers are getting fully healthy just in time to play the number one seeded Suns. I'm like, okay, and? Like, the Suns are going to beat the shit out of the Clippers. Yeah. Like, I, I they have Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, yes, but they haven't fucking played a game together all year. And Paul George has only played twenty six games, and Kawhi's coming off of an ACL injury. Norm Powell, I'm pretty sure I have to look it up now, but he fractured his foot, and that's why he's been out for a long time. Like, where is this confidence coming from? From that oh, Clippers oh, fans have a, a, a well, it's not just Clippers fans; it's people with national podcasts platforms and writing platforms are like oh the clippers are dangerous for you know they could face phoenix in round one okay and <laughs> like so like i i i have a healthy respect for Kawhi, right i really do but he's coming off of an ACL. I know, but, but yeah i know what check you're saying me, check, me if, check me if i'm wrong right check me if i'm wrong but i feel like the national media really gets off on like Kawhi Leonard we're like dude they they were so quick to crown him the best player in the world they were so quick to like award Kawhi all this stuff and it's like dude there's so much I feel like the national media is always very very quick to like oh Kawhi Leonard's the dude I feel like I the national why. media is just quick to crown everybody the dude because last year it was Giannis and I was part of that as well like I think it's just whoever has been playing out of their mind in the playoffs at the moment. And by the way, Kawhi Leonard during that time with the Raptors was legitimately like a top five player and in the playoffs had a case for, you know, the best. But like when people were saying he's by far the best player in the world, when, when KD was just coming off that injury or got hurt and you're like, and we just saw like, Oh no, he's still during the playoffs. Yeah. When Kevin Durant was still playing and LeBron still existed. yeah, and you're like, it's not clear. Like, it's not like he's head and shoulders above everyone else, which mm-hmm. is what the national media kind of crowned him as. And you're like, I'm, I'm not entirely sure. Like, the, the amount of confidence that everyone has in Kawhi is like, again, I have a healthy amount of respect for Kawhi, but like, it's pretty insane the amount of confidence that some some of the national media members have for Kawhi. Well, his mid-range game is nasty, and 
yeah, one of the best absolutely. defenders ever. So I mean, I, I, get I will it. say though that his, his defense over the last couple of years has it's not won been a little good. bit. But I would yeah. still take Kawhi over a lot of people. Oh no, absolutely not. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying he's not the. He's not the guy that he was. He's not the guy that I thought was the best perimeter defender I've ever seen in my life when he yeah. was with the Spurs. Like, pri- like San Antonio Spurs Kawhi. Like, I remember I was watching a Sacramento Kings Spurs game, and it's stuck out in my head vividly, vividly. But poor Ben McLemore on back-to-back possessions tried to bring the ball up against Kawhi Leonard, and Kawhi just took the ball each time. He scored. said mine. He just... <laughs> It was literally back-to-back possessions, and I I remember Grant Napier at the time, who was the Kings play-by-play guy. He was just like, "Oh boy," or something to that effect. He was just like, "Oh wow!" Like he, Ben McLemore got picked twice, like clean in the in the backcourt. By the way, for everybody to see, there was nobody else. Yeah, <laughs> there was nobody else around. And Kawhi Leonard was just like, "Nope, my ball." But uh, no, like. It's it's exciting that Paul George is coming back. It's exciting that Kawhi is coming back. I think next year's Western Conference is going to be a fucking bitch to play against. Like, because you got the Grizzlies, you got a fully healthy Nuggets team. Hopefully, um, Jamal Murray for sure. Michael Porter Jr. Tr- was it seemed like he was tr- going to come back, but I honestly think both of those guys aren't coming back this year. Um, the Nuggets, I'm, the Clippers. I'm so worried about Michael Porter Jr. Still, I am too. Like Genuinely. the back, the back doesn't. The back concerns me a lot. Um, yeah. But the Nuggets, the Clippers, the Warriors, the Grizzlies, um, the Suns, obviously, like the the Mavericks too. Once they get some pieces together, like some more pieces together. Uh, although it could be, it could be enough for a Western Conference Finals run with the way Luca's playing. Like the West, oh my god. The West is Luka, be a monster next year. I like Luca came into this this season kind of overweight, a little slow, started Kinda. slow. <laughs> okay, yes, he came in fat. He came in overweight. He he played. He was slow. He you know, he was injured too. He had some ankle injuries yeah, too. Some kind of ramp up, but oh and then my by the goodness! New, by, at, oh, at, it goodness. seems like the New Year's the cutoff point for like turnarounds and stuff like that because. Literally, as the new year started, Luca just started destroying everybody. Like, bro, he's he's doing stuff where like I don't even know. I've never seen a dude do it like he. Okay, I'm not I don't want to like overstate, yeah, but you're he's getting, doing you're getting, getting hyperbolic here. <laughs> he's he's doing stuff where I'm just like, dude, how do you stop him? I don't know how. Hmm. Yep. And it's like trick shot, and the game's easy for him too. Like, yeah, it's just and straight he's not up even, easy. It he's smiling and laughing like he's not even trying, and he's just or destroying. He's, or he's screaming, or, or he's screaming and crying to the refs. <clears throat> oh my goodness, dude! I don't, I don't know if you've seen his podcast with JJ Reddick. I did. You could I tell did. the dude's like a certified genius when it comes yeah. to like basketball and how he sees the game and stuff. Just the way he talks and all that shit, you know. Yeah, it's a, it's so like the West is gonna be, it's gonna be a bitch next year. Uh, but as far as this year, like, it's the Suns, and I still think, and I have sung the Suns' praises all year. I still think a fully healthy Golden State team will be a nip and tuck series between those two. I still firmly believe that. Is the proof was. The proof early on in this through like the first thirty five games of the season or whatever when Draymond was healthy 
and the Warriors were clicking. And Steph was in his shooting slump, but, I mean, it's Steph Curry. He's still going to have a way more positive impact on the floor than off of it, obviously. Like, I thought I, I saw enough in those first 30. I was like a fully healthy Warriors team that they have the infrastructure already. They have the chemistry. I think it's them and the Suns in the West. With all due respect to the Grizzlies, love the Grizzlies. They could go to the Western Conference Finals. We might need to start like removing the young and, young and inexperienced moniker away from the Grizzlies with how they're just dominating teams with jaw and without jaw. They are just stacked like up and down the roster. But I still think at the end of the day, and that's the other injury that's a bummer, Steph Curry's been out, and we still have seen we've only seen like three minutes of the Splash Brothers and Draymond back together. But I still think a fully healthy Warriors team is going to give the Suns absolute hell. I think it's that's going to be a toss-up series. And uh, I know the Suns have been historically great. They're go- they're probably going to uh, post the most amount of wins in franchise history. They're going to break the franchise record for wins. But I still think the Warriors are right there with the Suns fully healthy. Um, with all due respect to the Grizzlies and what they've done. So... The West is going to be interesting for sure. At least, yeah. at, at least at the top. I'm excited. I'm excited for this playoffs. Yeah, and the Timberwolves have been good too. I'm, I just feel so vindicated once again because another talented player has proven that the good stats, bad team shit is mostly ninety eight percent bullshit. It absolutely. I tagged you in something the other day. I was laughing real hard. I, someone was making that joke. Oh, someone made a joke about LeBron. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I pretty funny. Yeah. Um, but Carl Anthony Towns has, you know, proven you can put him on a winning team in a winning context when you have fitting players around him. It's funny how that works. You know, Devin Booker now might be top five and finishing top five and MVP voting by the end of the year. I think he's a first team all NBA guard. Um, I actually with the, with how many games jaw has missed and um, you know, Steph Curry, not playing exactly, not playing exactly at the level he's used to playing at, which is unfair to him because you're just holding him against himself. I still think Luca and Devin Booker are probably would be my first team guards. Um, but uh, it's just funny how that works when you put talented guys like Devin Booker, who are clearly talented, by the way. I Like, Devin Booker clearly had a game that was going to be tailor-made for the playoffs. He could score on any spot on the floor. He could post up and score out of the post. He's a good passer. He is a... He's a big shooting guard, and he's solid on defense and has gotten better on that end of the floor. You just need to put some fucking talented players around him. And what do yeah. you know? <laughs> Same thing with Carl Anthony Towns. Anthony Edwards, I think he's going to be a bona fide star. D'Angelo Russell, I'm still – I was on the D'Angelo Russell train, especially early on in his career, and he's a lefty. I hopped off last year. Now I'm doing the Red Dead Redemption, riding the horse, trying to, you know, you know, keep the train in sight. I'm still not fully a believer in that Russell can be a winning player on a championship team, but he's weirdly important to that team, right? And he can shoot and he can pass. You know, Jared Vanderbilt, Jaden McDaniels, I could go on and on. Put talented players 
around your supernova talent, <laughs> you know? So West is, I still, it's funny because the narrative is kind of, not the narrative, but we, we've kind of been looking at both conferences re, or revisiting both conferences and which is better. I, I think the West might have more top end, better teams. But in terms of like the depth of really good teams and teams that could come out of their conference, I think the East is still better. Like oh, yeah. overall, um, you could maybe make the arg. You can definitely make the argument that the West is better because the bigger dogs are out there, so to speak. But if you're just talking about one through six, although I guess you know I did say I was kind of out on Miami and and I'm definitely out on Chicago. There's a lot, a lot of good teams in the East. Like it's so. Look at the standings, dude. It's so stupid how close it is. Yeah, every everything's kind of like gridlocked, and all all these teams are so close. And again, like even even like record aside, even like matching up each one of these teams, like every matchup is interesting. Mm-hmm. There's no there's no matchup where I'm like, oh, this team just blows this team out of the water. I do think the Sixers would smash the Chicago Bulls in the 4-5 matchup, which is where it's at right now. But uh, as I mentioned, that the seeding could change because the, the Sixers were the number one seed yesterday and then lost to um, the Suns, and then the Celtics beat the Wolves, and the yeah, and Celtics got the number one seed. And the Sixers lost one game and went from first to fourth and is tied with Milwaukee for third. Like, both Milwaukee and the Sixers are a half game back of first place. Like, the the top of the, the, top of the East is, uh, is pretty wild. Um, but one team that, you know, it's to me is starting to look like a one of these things is not like the other situation is Miami. Um, just, uh, what did you think about that? Um, <laughs> what did you think about that Jimmy Butler, Udonis Haslam, Eric Spolstra, Video. Bro, so I was so confused because it like, and I I defaulted to the thing of like, yo, when Spo and and Udonis Haslam are that are coming at you like that, you probably fucked up because well, those yeah. two dudes don't don't do that. Yeah, well, did you see Eric Spolstra say at the beginning, like, what, you want me to fucking fight you? Like, yeah, Jimmy must have said something wild because that set Udonis off. PJ Tucker was sitting next to Jimmy on the bench. He had a look on his face like, "Oh shit, did he really just say that?" <laughs> yeah. And then and so uh, again, like when when two dudes like that when like cuz Spo Spo's really not an emotion like an overly emotional guy. That was the most upset I've ever seen Spo. Yeah. And then and then Udonis has him is a, is one of those guys, but he's usually on the right side of these kind of things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, when when both of them went at him, I was like, "Oh shit!" Well, Udonis is always going to have Spose back no matter what. But yeah, yeah, like that that was that was like he just said repeatedly over and over, "I'll beat your ass, I'll beat your ass," and it's like, "Well, Udonis." So there was a lot of a there was a lot of talk. I don't know if you if you talked to like I talked to a bunch of Heat fans about it, and like there was some talk, and I don't know if I believe this or not. There was a lot of talk about whether or not Spo did it on purpose, like. No, like, I don't. Not, I don't believe that. Like that's that Spo understood that. So okay, here's here's like the here's like the the conspiracy theory. What right? is what is Spo fucking uh, Phil Jackson three point yeah, all of a that, sudden? Like that, like, no, that, like I don't. Believe Jimmy, that. There was the Jimmy like you you got to push his buttons or whatever. No, and then he threw the clipboard at the end to like 
like pushes but i don't know that was like part of the conspiracy theory with i i believe spo just wanted to continue the argument because jimmy said some real wild shit and that's not surprising coming from jimmy butler he's been a cantankerous individual at from time to time at his stop yeah he's been a wild shit guy yeah and you know like you know when you're winning obviously like jimmy is relatively happy but when you're struggling like jimmy can get annoying that's kind of been the book on him the you know chicago bulls days the minnesota days and his the practice situation uh jimmy butler's passive aggressive shit that he would throw towards brett brown in philadelphia and then him and ben simmons didn't get along etc etc like jimmy is a interesting individual but you know the heat I, look, the Heat have been uh, – they've had a great regular season, but honestly, like, they've also kind of annoyed me too because they run around like fake tough guys like it's the 90s and shit. And, like, sure. that that Nuggets game where Jokic absolutely knocked the shit out of Marcus Morris. Um, oh, he popped him. Wait, was it – no, Markeith Morris. Marcus is on the Clippers. Um, yes. When he knocked the shit out of Markeith Morris, the Heat had every opportunity to really show that they were about that life. Like, the heat culture? Yeah, the heat culture. Like, we stand with our guy. On that court, on that moment, the moment Jokic knocked the shit out of Morris, the Heat could have easily ran up on Jokic and done something. But they didn't. They got separated by security. Then later on, while the refs were reviewing the play, Jimmy Butler was like, bring your ass to the back. Bring your ass to the back. It's like, no, dude, you can, You had the perf- You were right next to Jokic. You had the perfect opportunity right there on the court to pop him. But you did Also, Also, though, Jokic is a big motherfucker. <laughs> also, like with uh, like we were kind of talking about uh, uh, off air with the Will Smith Chris Rock incident, like Marcus Mo- or Markeith Morris turned his back after cheap shotting Jokic. What Jokic did was wrong, but if somebody cheap shots me like that, like Charles Barkley said, you better not turn around because I'm gonna I'm going straight for your ass. Like yeah, you better not turn around. If you turn around, that's on you. I'm still gonna go at you. You know. And Jokic did just that. <laughs> like, I'm not condoning it, but that's what it, it is. What it is, the reaction, the action got a reaction, you know. And from that moment on, I've just, I just thought the Heat were just fake tough guys the entire time. Udonis Haslam just acting like, you know, Udonis is an OG and all that stuff, but he's acting tough from the bench and not getting any minutes and all that stuff. Like, I just yeah, I, it's hard. To, it's hard to be the enforcer when you're not yeah, getting minutes. Like, and then yeah, wait. What was it a few weeks ago or whatever? Jimmy Butler said the NBA just doesn't let you get into a brawl nowadays or whatever. And I'm just like, man, shut the fuck up. You had every opportunity to, you know, brawl with, you know, Jokic when he did your boy yeah. like that. Like, well, I think, <laughs> I think obviously I'm not going to blame them just because like they, it, they made business decisions. Right? Oh, they no. This is, oh, uh, by the way, there is no right or wrong here. Like, this is a personal thing with, with me. Like, not a personal sure, thing, but sure. this is what I personally think about the Heat. Like, they're a good basketball team. I still don't think they're contenders. I just think uh, somebody uh, somebody tweeted it, but uh, the Heat, the uh, somebody said the Heat were the most running around like Pac team ever. <laughs> like, <two Pac>. <laughs> <laughs> And it's true. Um, but yeah, you were saying? Oh, no, I was going to say, like, they made the smart business decision, but, like, you're right where if they're going to their whole their whole like aura is built around like heat culture and like we're the tough guys in the nba oh yeah jimmy butler has to let people know that he's the first guy in the gym at 3 30 in the morning like who cares dude like we hear kobe's legendary work ethic stories from other people notice how we hear 
all of Kobe's legendary work ethic stories from mostly everybody that's been around Kobe. Yeah. Right. Or like LeBron or Kawhi. Jimmy Butler, he definitely works hard, but he sure lo- he sure as shit loves to let you know about it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> no, that's to- totally with you. Um, but my reservation my like all year has been a concern, but the half court offense has been a concern with me for the Miami Heat. Like it was well, all, it, it was sweet cool to start the year, but like their two best players can't shoot. Jimmy Butler refuses to shoot. Bam Adebayo, his mid-range comes and goes, but he's a great passer, great offensive rebounder. He could score for sure. And if he he and like over the last 2 or 3 months he's been getting back to Bubble Bam. Like he's been playing like Bubble Bam Adebayo where he was like Bubble obvious. Bam Adebayo. <laughs> well, the I'd say that in jest, but Bam Adebayo was on a really <laughs> really huge trajectory and then the bubble was like, "Oh shit." And then last year he kind of wasn't the same but this year like he's really if he didn't miss all these games he could be the defensive player of the year honestly yeah um but I mean their half court offense concerns me the the shooting it's scary how much they rely on Tyler Hero guys like Duncan Robinson Max Struess and Gabe Vincent to space the floor for the heat well again it, it, it all it's all of this like Again, I don't want to like belittle what they're doing, but it's like it's like um, it's like cheap version of Warriors offense, where it's just dribble handoffs and screens to try to get Tyler Hero and and Duncan Robinson open consistently, mm-hmm. and then they just give Bam the ball in the center of the court and just try to like make him make a decision. And you're like, dude, I like this is the most predictable offense you could grab, but the thing is, you don't have fucking Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. Again, there's too obviously- many there's too many pressure not pressure valves. There's too many there the options for the Heat's offense can get taken away easily. Yeah. Like it's very easy to run Duncan and Hero off of their spots. Well, and cuz they're oh, Sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. No, go go go. I was going to say on real quickly on the other end too, like especially these last four games like when the Sixers played the Heat with no Embiid and no Harden, the Sixers made it a point in the fourth quarter to attack Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson, mainly Tyler Hero, every single fucking possession. And the Sixers got a good shot out of it every time. And that's been the blueprint for these teams beating the Heat. The Knicks, they came back from an 18-point deficit in the fourth quarter in Miami, and they were just attacking the fuck out of Max Struess. Like, <laughs> the Heat have a lot – They the Heat have a good – like. The Heat, when you think of the Heat, like their defense, right? It's really good. It's Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, PJ Tucker, um, Kyle Lowry, but that fifth guy is a weak, heavy weak link, and yeah. the Heat just make no adjustments. They switch everything, and so when you get Tyler Hero switched out on the primary ball handler, it, he's gonna get cooked. He like he can hold his own for like two possessions, but the other twenty, he's gonna get smacked. You know. And I'm just – I'm out on the heat. Their half-court offense has been a concern all year for me. Um, they do a lot of good stuff. They do the low-hanging fruit stuff like Kyle Lowry's advanced passes in transition, et cetera, et cetera. But the main things in the playoffs, the half-court offense, the half-court execution, and are you is your defense as good as its weakest length type of thing? I just don't see it with the heat. No, and again, I I don't want to say it was a fluke, 
that they made to the finals because they played extremely well when they made it. But man, like it's looking more and more like that was like a flash in the pan. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. And, um, you know, like the, the, and, like, the whole, I, I don't know. I don't know how much like, this, again, I don't want to like talk shit, but they're, they are, it's a thing where they keep trying to like make bigger and bigger splashes to like, quote unquote, keep it going. But like, I don't even know, like, what are they keeping going? You know what I mean? If they have like, some big decisions to make. They do, but they keep spending money and like they keep getting like the Kyle Lowry stuff and like they kept trying to get more and more like bigger names, bigger players, like the Victor Oladipo swing. Like they're swinging for the fences here, but like at some point you got to realize like it's not going to do anything, right? It doesn't matter. Like they're we're further, I think they're further away than they think they are. They, yeah, it's weird. I think they're further from their final, they're further ahead than their finals team, but at the same time, like they're not. Like, yeah, I, I don't see them. I don't. I don't see them coming out of the East. I think if they play Boston, they're going to get smacked. I think if they play Philadelphia, that's going to be a five or six game series. Um, if they play the Nets, like they're going to get smacked. Like, I just don't. I don't see it for the Heat. And also, like as great as Jimmy Butler is, he just doesn't shoot the ball anymore. Like, yeah, it's weird. Teams are just going to. Go under the screen. And it started in Philadelphia, weirdly enough, where players just forget how to shoot. Um, Jimmy Butler, for some reason, and I noticed it early on when we traded for him in that 2018-19 season, he just wasn't taking the threes that we saw him taking in Chicago and Minnesota when he was like improving as a three-point shooter. Now he's like regressed. His jump shot just looks way different. He doesn't get any lift on it anymore. It's It seems like it's all arms if you get him outside of 15 feet. Like, I'm just not a believer in the heat. Like, I, I, well, now after we talk through this, my, the last quarter of my second foot is out the door. I think I'm out on the heat as content, like, coming out <laughs> of the East. I, I do. I think, I think, obviously, they're better than the Bulls. They'll, if you play them in a series, it's going to be absolute hell for anybody playing against them because the defense, but I just think the heat have two critical areas. That's just going to fail them in the playoffs this is their half court offense. And they're just going to get relentlessly attacked on the defensive end. If, or when a uh, team start hunting Duncan Robinson, Tyler hero. And then what happens when you have to play them off when you, a team plays them off the court, where is the spacing going to come from? Where is the oil needed in the engine for the offense? You know, yeah. So, I'm out on the heat. All right. That is Mr. Jordan Christmas out first. on the future NBA champion, Miami. <laughs> watch what? Watch them fuck around and win the championship this year. That'd be hilarious. That's what I'm saying. Like, what, what, Jordan's going to make this big proclamation. And then honestly, the, su- honestly the, the Suns should win the championship. Yeah. In like, all likelihood, I, I, if I, if I had to bet right now, I would put all my money in the Suns. My my rankings would go Phoenix, Golden State, Milwaukee. If I had to do probabilities of like or ranking probability probable champions, I would go the Suns, the Warriors, and then the Bucks. And then and then you can we can all argue about the other twenty nineteen or twenty seven teams. 
That's that's at least where I stand right now. I think Luca can make like a dark horse. I think Luca and the Grizz could play their way into a conference finals, maybe. But I think I think I think Luca could pull a LeBron or a like AI and just carry his team to the like, finals. Yo, no, real talk, the the uh, trade with the Wizards that's benefited the Mavs a oh, lot. Oh, that has paid off in spades. Like Spencer Dinwiddie is like he just transformed back into pre ACL Spencer Dinwiddie. Davis Bertans, even though he still sucks, um, and <laughs> and you tried to do a fake trade to have him on the Sixers, which almost made me throw up. Um, he is like a he's still a spacer. He's a deep chucker, and you know that's the type of prototype of player you want to play next to Luca. He's been blah, not the shitty shitty player he was in Washington, right? Um, but mainly the Spencer Dinwiddie trade has worked out like immensely he's the second ball handler they've been looking for Spencer Dinwiddie can get his own he's coming off the bench he can play next to Luka he said some game winners mainly against the Celtics and the Nets recently um and just watching the like just watching how it's played out for the Mavericks it's kind of uh it's a little bit of luck too but it is kind of a stroke of lucky genius for Mark Cuban to in the front office to pull off that move sure yeah I think uh, I think it's paid off for them to again. What a huge swing! But you know, they, it's paying off. It's working. And, and also, again, I like think, I think that I, does provide future flexibility for the Mavs too. Oh sure, getting a bunch of small contracts are a lot easier to get rid of than one big one. They're basically like playing for they're playing for Luca's like second contract or whatever. Like you know, like the the contracts will run out by then, and they'll have more cap flexibility. Even though I know Mavs fans will cringe at the word cap flexibility because the Mavericks have had cap space all these summers, and they've just whiffed on free agent after free hey, agent. Hey, they can still get DeAndre Jordan if they want him. Oh my God. I do not want to talk about DeAndre Jordan <laughs> in this podcast. I do not. Like, well, bro, he's terrible. Oh, he's the worst. <laughs> like, dude, no. And I've been saying this since the Nets signed him. I'm like, why did they sign DeAndre Jordan? Just because he was friends with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving? Like, Jared Allen is clearly the better player. And the Nets could have had Jared Allen and Nick Claxton as, like, their center, their starting center and backup center tandem. I'm sure Nets fans would prefer that over the corpse of DeAndre Jordan and then ending up having to offload Allen as a result. Like, that was that was stupid when it happened. And now he's going to be playing crucial minutes for a championship contender. Yeah. Just fucking... DeAndre Jordan. Somebody hold me tight, please. <laughs> NBA champion, DeAndre Jordan. <laughs> like, my God. Like, how many layups do you have to miss? How many... Cat, how many passes are you going to bobble? How many times are you just going to stand there, watch a guy drive towards you at the rim, and then not jump and not contest whatsoever? Like, bro, what oh, the, I, what the I fuck? Said, <laughs> I said before, like, watching Giannis Jordan play basketball is like watching watching Charles Barkley in Space Jam after the Monstars stole their powers. <laughs> it's, it's, it, it's pretty it's apt. It's it's a pretty apt comparison, I would say. And he's, and that's the, like, and I've seen some Sixers beat writers, and I love reading guys like Derek Bodner and such. They're pretty much saying like, why do we keep complaining? Like we all know DeAndre Jordan shouldn't start, but Doc Rivers is not going to play him. He's not going to trust young guys. We should just let it be. 
okay, yes, that is the reality. But that's no fucking excuse to for Doc to keep doing it. Like, I'm not going to shut up about it. Like, Charles Bark Charles Bassey, excuse me. You got Barkley stuck Barkley stuck in my head. Um, Charles Bassey and Paul Reed, yes, they're young guys. Yes, they're gonna make mistakes, but they are infinitely better than DeAndre Jordan. Like what DeAndre Jordan committing a dumb foul, like with five seconds left in the second quarter when the Sixers when the other team was in the bonus, what that veteran savviness was the foul because you can't fucking defend anybody or defend an inbound. Like I like, uh, this is going to be Greg Monroe all over again, except worse. Cause Deandre Jordan is actually, believe it or not worse than Greg Monroe. <laughs> Greg Monroe just signed a 10 day with someone. Hey, way. shout out Greg Monroe in his minus 12 minutes and three in his minus 12 and three minutes in game seven of the Raptors series. I will say I used to in, in the old times, like I was into Pistons, Greg Monroe. Oh, I, I, the, for a brief moment there, I was like, Oh, uh, you know, Monroe Drummond front court, you know, that kind that sounds kind of like a nice building block, you know, before the league, like completely spread out and stuff like that. But Drummond and Monroe couldn't fit together anyway. Like they were just, they, they just operated the same spots on the floor and, you know, it was, it was just not a good match, but stop playing DeAndre Jordan. Please, <laughs> like for the love uh, of, for the love of Christ. <laughs> I love um, it. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Now, now you now you got me going about DeAndre Jordan. Um. All right, so I guess uh, a few more. I I got a few quick hitters for you before uh, we dip out here. Um. So first blush, who is your rookie of the year? Me, I have right Evan now. Mobley. Scotty yeah, Barnes. I have Evan Mobley too, still, but I think by the end of it, Scotty might take it. And I love. They're very close to me. I I just think that the like Scotty has been closing ground on Evan Mobley, man. Like he is yeah. really fucking good. <laughs> like he Masai has done it again. Yeah, I think for me, it's a thing of I I have. I put a lot of belief on like when you completely transform a team. Like I, if you take Scotty Barnes off of the Raptors, I think they still have like obviously they're not as good, but I don't think they're he's as critically important as Evan Mobley is to the Cavs. And I, I put a lot of weight on that. Whether I should or not, I don't know. I don't know, man. Scotty's pretty important to the Raptors. I think like, he's crucial. I think him and Siak. Well, he does have Van Fleet and Siakam. You're right about that. But I think the Raptors are not a play. I think they're barely a play-in team, if not for Scotty. Like, he does everything for the Raptors, man. Like, yeah, but, like, are the are the Cavs a top whatever seed they are without Evan Mobley? Well, it's funny you say that because the Cavs have been on a downward spiral lately. Sure. Because, you know, Jared Allen has been out and Evan Mobley is kind of back there manning it like your your point is your point is correct the Cavs I expected the Cavs to be a play-in team this year I didn't even think Evan Mobley was going to start because when they signed marketing and you know <laughs> yeah. when they yeah. signed marketing well, the I was is, like wait a minute Evan so Mobley, Evan Mobley's going to come off the bench um, Mobley's 
Mobley's ability allows them to play the triple big lineup. Yeah, exactly. You're absolutely right. And he transformed the team in that sense. Scotty Barnes has kind of transformed the Raptors in that sense too. And they've morphed into the the long boy team. The long bo- yeah, the long boy team, the long boy tall ball team. And, you know, I don't even – sometimes I don't even know what the hell Scotty Barnes is playing, like what position he's playing. Like – He's just everywhere, and you gotta love it, though. Oh, absolutely, absolutely! It. Like it's in it. It's I don't know what he's doing in a good way. Like I don't know if he's one possession. He's the point guard. Next, he's the center operating out of the post, and then he's guarding point guards. He's guarding wings. He's starting to. He's guarding bigs. Like it's really it. Like this kid is going to be really special. Um, Cade Cunningham, I think, would round out you know the three for me. Like it'd be it'd yeah. go. I'd I go Mobley, Mobley, Barnes. If you only, if you only took last like three, if you only took it from the new year, I think Cade wins it. Yeah, I I could I I would I could believe that. I would still Cade, make the go like people. Yo, I, Cade Cade's special, bro. <laughs> absolutely, Cade is special. And oh if I'm being goodness. honest, I want the Pistons to get the number one pick and to take Jabari Smith. Because over, yeah. Chet, over Chet Holmgren, um, yeah. because that's just, a better fit. that's just that's just the pitcher perfect big I could see playing next to Cade, and also shout out to Marvin Bagley who has been also really good in Detroit playing off of you know a guy like Cade and I you mean know, Killian, it's a and, and Killian and Killian Hayes too has who has been playing decently lately. I mean Cade Cade. Bagley gives Cade like the dunk, the, the lob threat like, that he never had. He needs. Yeah. yeah, and yeah, the, so exactly. so you bring up a good point about Jabari Smith. I think he's a perfect fit in Detroit. I also really like Chet to OKC. I love that fit. Well, I don't even know like what would constitute as fit in OKC. They just have so many players, young players. Yeah, but like they have so many if picks. you're if you have a cold, like if you're core right is like sga chet and then you fill it around with pieces like giddy like i really like giddy mm-hmm. um and like dort and like I just, I just think they could build a really versatile defense and a, and a team that could really like get out and run and well, i these really last these last two seasons the thunder whenever sga played they played at a pace where it's like okay they can make the play in even when everybody was like yeah they're gonna not being yeah like, they're gonna suck and i've been like remember last year's pod i was like i actually think the thunder could make the play-in and they were in the play-in race for a bit and then injuries they, and, they didn't want to and, be. <laughs> you know sending al horford home and all that stuff then they started to roll out the tank machine and yeah all then that they just stuff. didn't want to be anymore <laughs> um, and also like i i obviously i need to watch more games i need to catch up on some games with some of these top guys but I think Chet Holmgren is not going to be a bust. I think he's going to be good. What his ceiling is, I don't know. And he needs a little. He needs to gain a little bit. And it's of weight. not just the pushed. weight. It's not just the weight thing for me either. By the to way, to me, he it's a it's a to me it's a thing of I love the motor. I love the he has that like he's constantly moving on ball oh, and yeah. off ball. He's constantly like, doing I lo- shit. I love that. I he has really active hands. He's super coordinated for a guy his size. Like we usually like I he he has great footwork and great coordination for a guy of like you know of that size. Like a seven footer shouldn't be able to do some of the stuff he does. And then like when you look at 
my biggest thing with him is when he's down low, he gets pushed around a lot. Like he gets outboxed. Like if he he, he get a perfect positioning and he does most of the time. He does a great job of yeah, like getting I, sw- swimming I, and getting in, and then he just gets pushed out. Yeah, I don't know an exact comp for Holmgren because he's kind of just an interesting prospect in that he's seven one, but he's like a hundred and ninety five pounds. But he does different things. I I he's definitely a you know a top lottery guy. I'm just yeah. not so sure I have him penciled in as one. But again, I'm not like one of these guys that breaks down thousands and thousands of hours of film or whatever. Though I do think you can get a little bit of Stockholm syndrome and talk yourself into things. If you watch too many games in too many hours, I think the perfect, I think the perfect, I've seen this from Kevin O'Connor and a few others. Like if you just scout like their worst game, their average game and their best game, I think that's a perfect median. And I need to do that with Holmgren for sure. Um, Not just going off of this tournament. Um, But I like. I think I like Smith and Bancaro a, a little bit more than Chet. And I've yeah. I'm not. I'm not a big Bancaro guy. I just his well one his athleticism, and I think once he once he gets defenders on his hip, it's over. And he's a good passer. And I just I love his fuck you competitiveness. Um, I love his uh, I I love his scoring ability too. Once he gets that three point shot down, I think it's going to be curtains. I just think he's. I I just think he's going to be I to me Bancaro whether he's a star a superstar or not I I don't know probably not but I think he his game is about as can't miss as you can get for me see for me like and again I don't know if this is fair or not but it it just gives me shades of like Jabari Parker where I watch him in college and I'm I think like they're different that players though it just gives me shades of like everything everything I heard of like. The athleticism, the scoring ability, like all this stuff, it's all the same. It's all the same stuff that I talked myself into with Jabari Parker, and I'm like, I, like I, it, it's tricking me. Like I, I, I feel it. It's same thing, and like I, again, it could be my PTSD from that, but like I'm just not on board with him. But again, it, I could be completely wrong. It might be. It's your, kind of the it might be your PTSD draft, like, because completely. you know people said that. Anthony Edwards was Andrew Wiggins. They could see Andrew Wiggins 2.0 and they have yeah. completely different games from each other. Like Anthony Edwards, you know, attacks the rim with a ferocity and a physicality that Andrew Wiggins didn't necessarily have the physicality, maybe the athleticism, but also Anthony Edwards. Oh my God. A- Watching there are some dunks in, in at Kansas where Andrew Wiggins would do something. You just go, Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I just think Apollo and Jabari just have different games. Um, Jabari was never a knockdown three-point shooter. I mean, neither was Paulo. Sure. I think Paulo is ahead of Parker than what he was in college in terms of a three-point shooter. He's a way better passer than Jabari Parker. Um, I don't even. But think I think that... also different, different. I think I think different eras too, right? Like very different styles of basketball. Yeah, a little. It, it, it was definitely different you know, in 2015 compared to 2020 or 2014 compared to 2022. But I just think in terms of overall feel, I think you could, that's definitely apparent with Paolo in a way that Jabari wasn't. Um, And also I just like the bet. I just like the shots uh, Paolo gets on the floor compared to Jabari. I mean, Jabari Parker, now I have to look up his college three point numbers because his NBA three point, he was a career 32% three point shooter. And, 
I remember him not being a three-point shooter in college. Um, no, he was a get-to-the-basket guy. Yeah, he was a get-to-the-basket post-up guy. And, uh, you know, um, I, him and, him and uh, Paolo have um, – to me, they have different game. Like, let's see here. Uh, yeah, Jabari only took two-and-a-half threes a game. He shot it at 35%, but it was at really low volume. Um, yeah. And in the NBA, he didn't – he didn't become a uh you know it didn't translate it didn't translate um i just see a lot more feel stuff and shot mechanic stuff with bancaro that i think can just easily he could easily be a i could see him being a really good nba player i don't know if he's gonna i don't know if there's gonna be like a bona fide superstar coming out of this particular draft like i see with Cade, like i see with mobley like i see with scotty barnes um and even going back to like you know 2019 or 2018 um but i i just uh i think i right now i prefer jabari uh palo and i know for a lot of people palo is like every in everybody's second tier or he's at the head of everybody's second tier but me personally to me i would take palo over chet as well and I don't think you could go wrong with either one of those three, but that's how, if my preferences, I would choose Jabari and sure. Palo for sure. By the way, I was watching the, um, what, which Timberwolves game was I watching the other day? Um, it was definitely over the, uh, wh- which game was it? Now I have to look. It, I watched the Timberwolves game last week and the broadcast brought up the, uh, the um the 2018 draft right um mm-hmm. and just how st- stacked it is and they only listed like seven players on that list because they couldn't fit all the players on the damn ground <laughs> right yeah but like the 2018 draft class is pretty ridiculous it's like it's crazy good like there's a lot of good players. You got your superstars, but you also got your role players. You got your utility switch players that are stars too. Like the the 2018 draft is pretty. It's pretty great. Um, already. Like that's kind of what I I like drafts that are like really well rounded. So let's 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 look. So I have the 2018 draft right here. Um. DeAndre Ayton, Luka Doncic, Jaron Jackson mm-hmm. Jr. I still have my Marvin Bagley stock, even though his tenure in Sacramento was injured and it kind of went bad. Trey Young, Mo Bamba starting to develop a little bit, but let's just not count him. Although, well, you can count him because he's actually, I think he's going to get a second contract. Wendell Carter Jr., Colin Sexton. Sorry, Kevin Knox, you're off the list. Uh, Mikel Bridges. SGA. Were you a Kevin Knox guy? A little bit, but I could see the rawness where he could fail. Okay. Like, I wanted the Sixers to draft him, but I acknowledge that there was a chance that there was a very high possibility he was going to just flame just out. Bust out. Yeah. yeah. Um, Mikel Bridges at 10. SGA. Miles Bridges. Michael Porter Jr. Dante DiVincenzo. Lonnie Walker's coming on towards the end. Of the dirt he's come on this season with the Spurs, but we we won't include him. Um, 
Kevin Herter, Grayson Allen. I hope Aaron Holiday keeps getting time with the Suns because I think he's a good player. Um, and I'm glad he got minutes while Chris Paul was out. Anthony Simons is going to be a monster. Um, Mo Wagner still in the league. Landry Shamit, role player, great role player for the Suns. Gives him depth. Rob Williams, we just talked about him. Javon Carter could find his way into the playoff rotation with the Bucks the way he's been playing. Jalen Brunson, Devontae Graham, who, you know, it's wild. Jose, <laughs> Jose Alvarado. He, like, I have to give Devontae Graham his props. He's turned himself into a solid, like, shooter and carved out a niche in the league. But Jose Alvarado is better and should be getting minutes over Devontae Graham. And hey, he um, got signed today. He did. Four years, $6.5 million contract. Shout out to him. Get that bag, man. Gary Trent Jr., really fucking good, especially for the Raptors. Jared Vanderbilt. Bruce Brown. DeAnthony Melton. Chemezi Metu. Yeah. Shake Milton. So, like, Chemezi Metu and Shake Milton, they're in the rotation still. Like, yeah, they're not high-level bench players or like sixth man of the year candidates or seventh even seventh man of the year candidates or any shit like that but they still provide minutes they give you good production for what they are this draft class is stacked (laughs) yeah that's actually pretty insane like i think it what was it the uh 2009 draft the one with randy foy no we talked about this draft before it was probably no the randy foy draft is the step draft yeah that that might have been it but all of the all of the players that came out of that draft, like rem- I remember we when we did a podcast episode looking at the 2009 draft class. I'm pretty sure it was the 2009 draft class, and it had all types of players that are that were just chock full of players that had roles in the league and stuff. The 2018 draft might have a bit more than that. You know, like we might be looking back on this draft and be like, "Holy shit, this is a deep class." Not to mention yeah. the undrafted guys that I'm probably missing too. You know. It's always funny when you look back at these drafts and you go like, oh, wow, we were so wrong about all these. Or like some in the rare case, you're like, wow, we're so right. Like everyone was so right about all these guys. Like which which is hilarious to me when, you know, draft Twitter and draft quote unquote gurus, they do their, oh, this guy's the number one pick and it's not close. And then you're an idiot if you think otherwise. But then, you know, they end up being wrong. Like the draft is a crapshoot. There's no absolutes here, you know. Like, I mean, you, there's some. Like, there is the some. LeBron, like, like LeBron. Oh, absolutely. Like, there's some. Hakeem, but like, you know, but you know what I mean. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I feel you. Think I'm like, just being facetious. Yeah, I know. Um, like Luca, obviously, sure thing. Um, although I had to argue with one of my best friends about Luca for years. Um, until he finally came around his rookie year, he's like, "All right, Luca's good." Um, all right, Luca's good. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's the damnedest thing. Um, I, I. Like, he was like, I have a hot take about Luka Doncic. He fired it off. I was shocked. And we argued about Luka Doncic all the way up to the draft, even though I was generally like a – I I think the Suns, you know, would do well to draft eight and two. Um, Yeah, the 2018 draft was weird for me in that um, I was an Aiton guy. And then the more I saw Luka, I was like, okay, how can we not say this guy's the number one pick? Oh, I was still, I was still an Aiden guy. I, I understood. So, like, my thing was, always, I understood. I understood. I understood if you took. I was one of those guys. If a team took Aiden over Doncic, by the by the time it was like a week, two weeks leading up to the draft, 
I was like, if a team takes Aiton, I would I would be happy with that pick. But I thought the more it just became apparent that Luca was going to be the guy, the dude. He was going to be the yeah. dude. You know. I think I think my thing came down to with Luca, like, or with Aiton, like the fit with the Booker, where I was like, I want to give Booker the big. That's what I thought too, but then I realized I'd be using the same stupid logic that a uh, Vlade Divac used to not draft Doncic yeah. for the Kings. You know, like I'm not calling you stupid or anything like that. But it, no, just no, no, that, that was like just my thought at the time, right? Yeah, I wasn't sure because that again, was Divac's thing. Was like fit, he was right? like, I, I, he's like, I was concerned about the fit between Doncic and Fox. Well, you just give those two the ball and let them rock, and Doncic is clearly the better player. Like. It, it's it was wild. His re all of his reasonings from Bagley could play the three, the four, the the five, the four, and the three. When he added that was three, weird. When he added the three, I was like, the three what? Like a three ball or a small four? <laughs> like what the fuck? Yeah, that was weird. I never got that at all. And then the confirmed, unconfirmed. Uh, turns out it might not have happened. Alleged beef with Doncic's dad. Um, I still kind of don't believe that, but that was out there. And then Luca allegedly not wanting to play for Sacramento, even though he admitted on the JJ Reddick podcast, he's like, I didn't know any fucking cities in this country yeah. besides LA and Miami. Like I was going to be happy wherever I was drafted. Um, but yeah, no 2018 draft. Very, uh, very interesting. All right. One more real quick. Um, right now at this point in the season with eight games left, who is your MVP? Uh, I still have Joel Embiid. Yeah, same. I have Joel Embiid. I have Joel Embiid. I would go Joel Embiid, Jokic, and Giannis. And I think that I think um, it's very close. It's like extremely close. I think if if either one of those three won, I wouldn't be mad because like they're all simultaneously having like the most historic seasons a big has ever had. Like, well, and it's funny to think about like the idea of. Oh hey, look at the this new guard centric three point league, and we have three bigs. And we have at three bigs of- just dominating everybody. It's it's it warms my heart, Chris. It really does because I used to play center. <laughs> it, I used to play center. It's weird. Allen Iverson was my favorite player growing up, but then I ended up having to tailor my game to be like a center, and so I appreciated a lot of post cent- post players and centers more. Um, so I guess I like every kind type of player, but um, it's great to see bigs dominating again. They never, the skilled big was never extinct. They just had to catch up to the learning curve of the skills. Sure. And um, now we can, hopefully by next year, we can throw Cat into the discussion of like, you know, best bigs in the league. If he could keep this winning up. Um, cause I mean, his numbers speak for themselves. They're fucking insane. And it's not just a good stats, bad. You can't put up efficient numbers on a bad team and have it be a good stats, bad team thing to me. That's just like my number one rule. Like cat is shooting like 55% from the field and like 43% from three. And he's doing step backs. He's coming off screens like a fucking guard and stuff like that. Oh, and he can roast you and toast you in the post. And all that roast you and toast you. Yeah, I had to get my Clyde Frazier on a little bit, you know. Um. Oh, it was funny. So I was watching the uh, <laughs> the Pistons Knicks game yesterday. Yeah, I know. Um. And uh, 
at Why one. Why would you do that to yourself? <laughs> I wanted to see Cade, man. Um, so at one point, Killian Hayes, Marvin Bagley, R.J. Barrett, and somebody, and Julius Randle were all on the court. And, you know, the Pistons had the ball on a possession. And Clyde was like, Killian Hayes, the southpaw. And then he passed it to Bagley. And he was like, Bagley, another southpaw. Wait, how many lefties are in this game, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> and I laughed so hard. I was like, yeah. He's like, he's like RJ Barrett's a southpaw. Julius Randle's a southpaw. How many lefties are in this game? <laughs> <laughs> Just the shock, right? Yeah, like as he was counting them out, he's like, damn. There's a lot of lefties in this game. <laughs> it's awesome. You know, lefty gang, lefty gang rise up. Yeah, lefty gang rise up. This is a lefty gang centric pod. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Embiid's my he, he's my candidate too. And you know, yes, some of it is biased. I wouldn't be a sports fan or a Philly fan or a Sixer fan if it didn't involve. Some, but I legitimately think all three of them have a case, and you know. We'll see who wins. It's gonna be. It's one of the tighter MVP races in recent memory. Well, since the uh, 2016-17 MVP race that should have gone to James Harden, but I digress. Yeah, man, I'm. Uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to see how yeah. the rest of the season plays out. We have two weeks left, and then we can two start talking weeks. about. Two weeks is wild. Yeah, then we can start talking about some insane playoff matchups. Oh mm-hmm. my goodness. Yep, it's going to be fantastic. I'm hyped. I am hyped too, my friend. All right. Well, that's going to do it for today's Box Out Bandit. And uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. The B.O.B.